You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hahn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all this draft capital they have? Voila! Playoff contender. And Dan Weeder. And you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers. I just don't know what fantasy land that is. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune and contributes to the score at 670 and 670thescore.com. We are talking to you after Super Bowl 57. There are takeaways from a micro standpoint. There are takeaways from a macro standpoint. Dan, the, the biggest thing is that it was a game that lived up to its billing. It was one of those rare games that lived up to the hype. 38-35, Chiefs over Eagles. I was wrong. You were right. Kansas City, Dan, prevails. Thank you. Thank you. I was hoping that you would uh... – Give me credit, given all the grief you gave me. You gave me so much grief for flipping my pick. And I tried to explain it. I tried to explain it, and it happened the way I thought it was going to happen because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Now, there's a lot to get into, David, because the Eagles played a really, really good first half. Jalen Hurts was spectacular all afternoon, saved the one turnover in the entire game that turned into a touchdown. And it was just a high-level football game between two high-level teams. But at the end... Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things throughout the entire second half and willed his team to a victory. And as I told you on the air Friday, it's the same feeling that Chicago had in the 90s when we would say MJ's got this. No matter how big the pressure, no matter how, how big the stakes, how big the anxiety, it's the same thing going on in Kansas City right now. So what we're going to do today is basically react to the game, some takeaways just from a fan perspective, just from our viewpoints as, as guys who cover the sport for a living. You can watch us at – Take the North on the 670 to score YouTube page or the Odyssey YouTube page. And Dan, I, I here's here's what I said this morning on uh, Monday morning on on Mullen Haw. And, and I think it's the longer you get away from the game, the more it will be true. We'll strain for takeaways and ever there are 30 teams out there that were watching the Super Bowl and wondering how it applies to their team. But I think that you hit on a little bit something there as we, as we've discussed in the past. When you have 
somebody like, you know, uh, a Jordan-esque figure in Patrick Mahomes. When you have a Hall of Fame play caller in Andy Reid who made halftime adjustments that exploited some defensive issues in, in the Eagles' uh, secondary or in the red zone, it's really hard to say, well, you know, if you just do this, yeah. you'll be able to follow the Chiefs' pattern. I don't know how you just get one of those and just add them to one of these. Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes are two historical figures in the National Football League. So, first of all, I had a lot of fun watching that game on Sunday, maybe more than I anticipated having because I thought it was a high-level football game, but I thought it was a contrast between two different ways to build a championship football team. You either go find your unicorn, you find the uh, once-in-a-generation talent like Patrick Mahomes, and you make him the engine of everything you do, or you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts who's really solid, who's a wonderful leader, who's got enough playmaking instincts in him to, to give you a chance, and then you surround him with high-level players in all facets, right? You give him an offensive line that makes him comfortable, that gives him confidence. You get him receivers like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. You get him a defense that can get you 70 sacks in a season and play a, a brand of complimentary football that doesn't ask a ton of you. And so there's two sort of models here. Right. And so if we're going to look at this through a bear's lens, which obviously is part of our responsibility, you say either you are, are trying to do two things at once or you're trying to turn Justin into an elite superstar that can be generational, that can be a championship engine for a decade or longer. Or Ryan Poles is on the hot seat and has to make sure that he does Howie Roseman things in constructing a roster that brings out the best in the quarterback, but is so sturdy and solid that you can win week after week after week. And, and as complicated as that sounds, I think that when we simplify it, it's simply getting players, drafting players who are the safest bets to reach their potential. It's it's just you, you can't duplicate a Super Bowl team. The, the Eagles had 10 of 11 starters that were drafted on their offense, their defense, which kind of let them down. But it's, it's, it's similarly structured in that, that they built from the line of scrimmage on out. So I, I don't know. If all of that, then you plop in Jalen Hurts and it's, it's a magic combination. You plop in Justin Fields. But what what I think the Eagles are representative of is just they had a, a bunch of guys that developed uh, and and reached their – came very close to their potential, and they're going to sustain that kind of success over time. With the with the Chiefs – so the Eagles, you could maybe try to copy. The Chiefs, I, I, I just think you're going to – you're going to be very frustrated if you try to go out and think we have to have one of those kind of things. I, I don't know if the Chiefs can be duplicated only because, you know, it's like teams looking at the Bulls in the 90s. <laughs> right. How do you get Michael Jordan? Well, you can surround him with a great sidekick with Pippen and then a supporting cast with Grant and company and get a shooter like Paxson and Kerr. But no, I mean, it was all about Jordan, just like this is all about Mahomes. Well, no question. And so that's where we have to sift through some of this and try to find meaning where meaning can be found and discard stuff that is meaningless. Listen, it's the Monday after the Super Bowl. And so the conversation is naturally going to gravitate toward how do the Bears become a Super Bowl championship level team? We should also be looking at this through the prism that the Bears are 3-14 and 14 and they're 12 years removed from the last time they won a playoff game. And so the climb from where they sit to where we are dreaming they could one day sit has a lot of steps in between. And they can't lose sight of that inside the walls at 1920 Football Drive in Lake Forest in understanding that there are several floors that you're going to have to stop at before you get to the penthouse at the top of the building like the Chiefs are in. That said, Tyreek Hill left the Kansas City Chiefs. 
before the 2022 season. And Patrick Mahomes went out and had his best passing yardage season of his career and won a Super Bowl. And he won a Super Bowl on Sunday, throwing the ball, obviously, to Travis Kelsey, who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when his time comes. But Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jody Fortson, these are not high-level names that you're saying, man, if only the Bears could get Justin Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez. Like, they can do that. They can do that. And so now you need to ask your quarterback to elevate those guys. And look, like, we're not getting we're not getting to a confetti uh, shower and Lombardi Trophy celebration anytime soon. And so the medium steps are looking at this through the lens of how can Justin take what he does have and bring out his playmaking prowess in a way that elevates those guys. By the way, this might be a good time to point out as you go through the list of pedestrian receivers that the Chiefs employ that Amir Smith-Marset will get a Super Bowl. <laughs> this I didn't even time. know he was there. Is he, well, he's on the Chiefs roster? Yes, he's on the Chiefs roster. <laughs> so I assume that he is going to get the Super Bowl ring after he sabotaged the Bears' season. He moved on to Kansas City and did very well for himself. So he is one of those guys that benefits from the presence of Patrick Mahomes. And so is Matt Nagy. So was Matt Nagy. Now, I think maybe he had a little bit more to do with it than Smith-Marset, and I, we can debate how much, but I will say this. When I watched the way that the Chiefs schemed their way to two touchdowns in the second half, and again, the, the Mahomes part is assumed. You get inside the red zone. You're at one end of the field, and you notice that they what they do in man coverage when you check to a certain uh, – when, when they check to a certain defense in a certain formation. So you go to that formation. Uh, and the Chiefs run motion, and right. then they run back, and they notice that the defender is in such a hurry to get to the other side of the football so he doesn't get beat in the flat that maybe he gets flat-footed or maybe he overcommits, and boom, you reverse field with your motion. It's an adjustment. They had to have made at halftime because they score a touchdown at one end. They go down to the other end. They run the exact same formation, the exact same cadence, and the exact same play. Boom, touchdown. See, that's coaching. That's what the Bears thought they were getting back in 2018 when they hired Matt Nagy and this offensive wizardry. They got that for a season. Maybe they got the play collection, but they never got the sequence. And I think that's part of it, too. So I think when you mentioned Matt Nagy, I'm sorry. That's where my brain went. No, it's good. it's a good place to go because it's a relevant sort of trigger for what allowed the Chiefs to have success throughout the game. And 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 we can talk about Patrick Mahomes deserving, you know, his his Hall of Fame jacket tomorrow if we want to. But Andy Reid is a big part of this and, and, and the ability of the support structure around him to um, have those constructive brainstorms sessions which you mentioned where they noticed something within the Eagles defense that was a a little cheat sheet of sorts and it's that jet motion that caused the Eagles defense some difficulties they went all the way back to week four and and, and first of all kudos to all of the uh, Chiefs and Eagles writers who did a wonderful job throughout the week and certainly on deadline on, on Sunday night and Monday morning and providing hordes of coverage. I woke up Monday morning and couldn't stop reading. I was finding nuggets and details and things everywhere throughout. Uh, you know, you've been to the Super Bowl. You know how busy that is post-game and how demanding it is to try to get to as many people as you want to get to. And there was a ton of stuff there. One nugget that you alluded to is the fact that they watched a Doug Peterson-led offense, remember where Doug Peterson comes from, the Andy Reid tree, yep. in week four, run one of these plays with Jamal Agnew. And, and Eric Bieniemy and Chad Henney picked up on this and said, look, he, they're, they're, they're taking, when they're in man coverage, their corners are, are, are so eager to get to the other side of this jet motion that they uh, allow an opening like Kadiris Tonian did to, to stop on a dime. You're in jet motion. You stop. You pivot back. It's an easy touchdown throw. Now, David, I think the second touchdown was different. 
to the extent that I, I said this on 670, the score on, on, on Monday afternoon, there is Patrick Mahomes coming out of the huddle and making a call that I, people at their Super Bowl parties might not have heard if it's very loud, but yelling, cover zero, cover zero, and seeing that the Eagles had shifted into a, a zero all-out blitz and knowing before that he ever took the football that it's going to Sky Moore, that no matter what happens with, uh, I think it was James Bradbury in that play, that he's catching and he's throwing to Sky Moore and it's going to be a touchdown. And that's sort of that, that beautiful mind, uh, the marriage of scheme and a quarterback who has the aptitude to react in the moment and know where the answer is. That's a good catch. I heard that. And here's what I, here's the only way I, I reason I, in my head I, I compared and connected the two is that whatever it was when the Chiefs went to the, either that formation or that personnel grouping, the Eagles answered and countered by coming out. It seemed like with their man coverage team, whether it was yep. zero blitz or whatever the case may be, and it seemed like Mahomes did recognize that right away. And that's what that's what the great ones do. They process quickly and then they make whatever call is necessary and they hit where they hit. That see that's coaching. That's the marriage yeah. between scheme and talent. That's well, what every coach wants. And I bring that up because the play is won before the football is even in Patrick Mahomes' hands. Yes. And 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 that so so that's the next level thing where you don't need to make you know we know all of the the magician plays that Patrick Mahomes makes throughout his career that elevate him to icon status, but it's the, the simple plays that that Justin Fields is going to have to make in 2023 and beyond. It's the, it's the pre snap recognitions. It's the ability to process, react, and 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 react with instincts to where you need to go with football that's going to take you to the next level they're there there's this other train of thought and i want to bounce this off you because this is something that kind of drives me crazy when we have this discussion of oh yeah well patrick mahomes uh you know he wouldn't be anything without andy Reid. oh well yeah of course andy Reid won two super bowls because he's got patrick mahomes this is not an accidental union this isn't something where they went down to the the local park and people were picking names out of a hat on who would be together uh, on pickup teams, right? Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are together because the Chiefs thought that they saw the potential to have a special talent in there. And coming out of a season in which they won 12 games, a division title, and were in the playoffs with Alex Smith as their quarterback, they decided, you know what? We don't want to sit at number 27 with our draft pick. We want to get up to number 10 and see mo- how much more we can cash in with our success and look at the results now. We're six years into Mahomes' career, five years into his, his career as a starter. He's got two Super Bowl rings, two MVP trophies, two Super Bowl MVP awards. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's unbelievable. And it is a great marriage, one of the best ever. You you think about uh, the last one to get this much attention for being successful, and it was legendary and epic, too, with Belichick and Brady. This is Reed and Mahomes. And you're right, it's not accidental, but it is – 
there is a degree of fate involved in terms of you have to have luck. And oh, no I doubt. Think with the with the Chiefs, okay, number one, we don't have to revisit the Bears passing on Mahomes, but other teams did to allow him to drop to where where the Chiefs could move up reasonably to make that pick and to make that deal to to get him, correct? I mean, that was the trade was made with the Buffalo Bills, who at the time didn't have Josh Allen. Right. I, I mean, an argument can be made that, hey, Buffalo, you should have held on to that pick. And maybe you're the team that, that's cashing in on all you these. Could make that argument. That's my point. And that so you're, you're like the Chiefs and you're watching this unfold. And, and I would compare it to the feeling you get. I don't know if you've ever done one of these live auctions, <laughs> these sil- silent auctions, silent auctions. Oh, yeah. You're right. At these, at these fundraisers. And like there, there's boy, you really want those tickets to that hockey game or you really want that <laughs> picture and painting that your wife likes. And you go back there and you put your name on there. And then you see somebody else, you kind of look at them and you look back, oh, there's somebody else wants it. To, I, I hope I'm going to go back there right, right at the right time. I hope nobody else comes in. I hope nobody else comes in. Oh, my gosh, I got the painting. And I think the Chiefs on draft night were waiting for maybe to if that's the, the worst possible thing to happen. Maybe somebody swoops in and takes, like the Saints, takes Patrick Mahomes first before he's there. But there they are. He's still on the board. They're willing to make a deal. And you you have you, – you have – the Mona Lisa of quarterbacks right there, and it falls right into your hands. You get a little bit of luck, but it's strategic, and you created your own luck on that night. Well, and the funny part about that is if somebody else had done that and swept in and, and taken away their, their prize, we would have never known about Andy Reid's infatuation with Patrick Mahomes. It would have been never talked about, ever, right? right? And we wouldn't have known about it. We do know that the Bears, and I brought this up a couple of weeks ago when Herb Howard was on the show, that Patrick Mahomes was in their top cloud. The Bears really, really liked Patrick as a player, and they sat there, and they you know they were going through it, and they had the, the, the small list of, of top cloud guys at eight player nine player list whatever it was and, and it's you know it's Trubisky it's Miles Garrett it's Jamal Adams it's McCaffrey Mahomes is in that tier and so again as we've talked about for weeks now for obvious reason the big mistake for them was was deciding like you know you couldn't bear the thought of living without Mitch and, and imagine if, if the 49ers had been like we really want to just restart things here we're going to take Mitch Trubisky number two and they had stand stood pat and then all of a sudden you're, you're Ryan Pace and you go oh, okay well we need a quarterback let's take Mahomes you know, and there's that fate thing again, where right. it's like you can, you, you know, some of it's fate, some of it's luck that you create yourself. But my goodness, on Sunday night, like the other part of this that that is just so uh, underappreciated is the way that Patrick Mahomes has that ability to get it out of everyone around him, just in terms of the confidence, the certainty, the competitiveness. And you're talking about a guy who 23 days ago suffered a high ankle sprain in the divisional round of the playoffs and managed to basically, what he miss, a series against the Jaguars and then gutted through that for three playoff victories and not only gutted through it, but made game-winning plays. And oh, by the way, in the Super Bowl, ran for, I don't know what his final totals were after the kneel down, but it's around 50 yards of rushing right i mean this is this is heroic stuff and sometimes uh, to use the jordan comp sometimes you just need heroic you do this was his flu game this was the time where patrick mahomes overcame whatever physical uh limitation illness injury whatever the case may be his first super bowl the chiefs won was all about his greatness this one which he willed them to all about his toughness. The m- defining play was a 26-yard scramble. You know, there wasn't even a guy who had more than 200 yards passing. He was efficient. He was more efficient than explosive, but the excellence was something that whether he was running or throwing, you knew you're going to get. And that was the one thing 
where you can count on him making the play when he needed to make a play. 44 yards rushing he had. Not after many the kneel downs. Yeah, yeah, after the kneel downs. And, you know, Jalen Hurts outrushed him. Jalen Hurts outthrew him. But Jalen Hurts also, as great as he was, as much as the Eagles gave them everything they could handle, the game came down to a defensive touchdown. A turnover by Jalen Hurts that turned into a uh, scoop and score. And you can talk all you want about offensive football. The game came down to a defensive uh, touchdown being being the difference in a 38-35 game. So there, there's so much there in terms of Mahomes, but there's no arguing with the fact that this was Jordan-esque and is just one of those performances that, that puts him in, in Hall of Fame conversations already if some yeah. he had to retire tomorrow. I put him in top ten, top five quarterback, regardless. First ballot, no question about it. And 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 look, like you're talking about a a situation where they're down ten at halftime, and I know there were people that are like, "This is turning into a blowout." And I'm just sitting on my couch going, "We'll we'll, we'll wait." You know, like Rihanna's going to go out there, and Patrick's going to have a little extra time to get whatever he needs to relieve the pain and whatever he aggravated in the ankle, and he's going to come out and he's going to get the football right out of halftime. Like, let me make my decision on where this game is headed after the first drive of the second half. And what does he do? Right down the field, touchdown. We got ourselves a ball game. The second half, the Chiefs scored three touchdowns and then settled for a game-winning field goal because Jarek McKinnon went down at the one-yard line alertly. I know you were in Indianapolis when Ahmad Bradshaw got a yard into the end zone before realizing, oh, crap, I need to sit down. And he tried to sit down, and he couldn't go down. And the Patriots ended up having a shot at the end zone at the end of that game uh, to, to try to, to, to beat the Giants. And so that was another little moment in the game where you go, man, there's there's a little bit there where McKinnon turns the corner. And I feel like if the Eagles would have pursued him with a little more – um, I don't know, trickery, I guess, to, to, to make him feel like he was going to get tackled. He looked around and was like, none of these guys are trying. Oh, crap, I better go down. And it ended up winning over. the Eagles game. You're right. He didn't. Instinct didn't have to take over because he realized how easy this was. Something's wrong here. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. sit down and we're going to bleed the clock. And what happens? So, so now you're in a situation, and and obviously the the holding penalty set all that up. But you're you're in a situation where the Eagles don't you really get a chance at the end of the game to to answer. It's one pass by Jalen Hurts, which I think his arm got hit. It fell 20 yards short of the nearest Eagles player, and 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 you just have this finish that was like, okay, well, like I said, <laughs> Friday afternoon, like this was going to end with the best player in the game having the ball in his hands and 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 making things happen in the end, and that's just what happened. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, there are a couple of things I want to get to because they're, they're important in the game and also just in the context of, of uh, NFL cities. And it felt like at one point in time, now this is the old days because this year 
Soldier Field was impeccably <laughs> prepared and there were no complaints about the surface. But there were so many complaints about the surface about the, at the Super Bowl. It reminded me of Soldier Field in the Chicago Park District and to the point where you're like, what's going on here? Dan, a month ago, I'm looking at a headline from the Ann Arbor News and it says conditions on retractable field an issue for Michigan TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. That was a month ago. You got a month to get it re- the Super Bowl field ready, and yet you had people slipping and sliding all over the place. It was a factor. The Eagles and Eagles fans will try to say that it slowed down the Eagles' pass rush. Don't know about that, but it was an issue on, on, a, on a night where it can't be an issue. I do think it slowed down the Eagles' pass rush. I don't know that it, that it made 100% of the difference for them having zero sacks, but for a team that had 70 during the regular season, that's that's jarring. The Chiefs did a lot of things with chip help to make that happen as well. But you're talking about the field becoming a focal point in the biggest game on the biggest stage of the sport. And to your point, it's not a one-off. If this was happening uh, for TCU Michigan in the college football playoff, this was just happening as it does occasionally for Arizona Cardinals games, you have to figure out what to do. You know, Obviously, they roll this grass in and out of the field. It's a, you know, a stadium with a roof on it, and the, the grass is elsewhere, and then they bring it in, and they put it there, and they, they, they feel like they've got this thing taken care of. And then you've got all this paint on it as well, and it was just it was slick. I think it was Jordan Mailata who, who, who said it was like playing at a water park, and you just saw so many issues of guys on a 77-degree sunny day in a beautiful place to play football sliding around like they were in inclement weather. I mean, Jacob Elliott can't even get a, a normal kickoff off because he can't plant that left foot and get it off. Isaiah Pacheco scores a touchdown, almost falls on his keister behind the end zone because, the, you know, whatever happens there, he hits a, you know, black ice or whatever it is behind the end zone and almost falls. And it was just, there was, there was too much of it all afternoon. And then, you know, the broadcast is showing these barrels of cleats that have been <laughs> strewn aside because players need to change and get some footing that, that's better. It was a disaster. And that's a problem. I was worried about Jalen Hurts doing the gritty. I'm gonna get hurt. He's gonna get hurt, right? Yeah, he's gonna gonna get hurt. Fall on his face. It's like what what, what recourse do you have? I mean, you shouldn't have this, you shouldn't have this to worry about at the Super Bowl. This shouldn't be something that you worry about at the the stakes at the highest. But how does it get to that point? Is there not a checks and balance in in, in place? I, I, I don't know. I guess it's a good lesson for. Arlington Heights, the next time the, the Bears and the first time that we have a Super Bowl. In well, Chicago, listen, like that the, the, that's going to be even before the Super Bowl, you're going to when you build a, a stadium, you're going to have to decide on the surface and you're going to have to decide how you're going to maintain the surface. And you're going to have to decide what's best for your players in terms of, of, of health and safety. And you're going to have to determine what's easy to maintain. And there's a lot that goes into that. And, that you know, it, this will fall into the office of Kevin Warren at some point and, and the people that he entrusts to, to figure that out, because I don't think the NFL can reasonably reward Arizona with another Super Bowl without getting some form of answer on how this is going to not be the same the next time they play there. Anything that affects the integrity of the game has got to be a foremost and utmost concern to the commissioner. And I think that it will be as long or as in addition to officiating. Now, I want to ask you about the, the holding call that was flagged on third and eight. It was a key moment. It deprived the Eagles of getting the ball back with a chance to win or tie in Philadelphia. They'll tell you it costs them maybe the Super Bowl because if you get the ball back, if they hold to a field goal, whatever the case may be, then who knows what happens and how that finishes against that Chiefs defense. I kind of am with Greg Olson on this one when the the Fox announcer said 
uh, analyst, he had a great game, by the way, in my opinion. Yeah. He said that you, you, you let that go all game and then you call it there. I don't know if that's time or place. I like the way he pushed back to Mike Pereira in that discussion, Dan, uh, and I probably would have favored that not throwing the flag rather than throwing the flag in that instance. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking just to make sure I've got it right. It was third and eight. So the incompletion leads to a, uh, a field goal attempt with 148 left, right? So that's the difference here between the, the, the Eagles getting the ball with 148 left or five seconds left. And so now it's the same score and they've got their chance to answer. I'm with Greg Olson on this. And I, I, I'm um, excited that as a former player, he spoke up on behalf of the players to say, well, wait a second, right? Like if I'm a police officer in my town, I can sit at the end of the block and uh, – ticket people all day for rolling the stop sign, but we don't, you know, we let them go. It wasn't egregious. He didn't speed through that stop sign. We let it go. And, and, and so then you get used to it and you say, okay, I'm going to roll the stop sign. And James Bradbury, to his credit, not only did he plead guilty to the infraction after the game, but he took questions for 15 minutes and owned it. I mean, it's a franchise history changing moment where he gets called for this penalty and he owns it. And, and he, he deserves credit for that. I just don't know that, you can make that the first call of the game at the end of the game. This isn't just me as a football fan talking about this, because obviously as a football fan, I want to see the game decided on a game deciding play rather than a game deciding penalty. And this was the opposite of that. But at the same time, there has to be consistency. And I think you could go through that game video, David, of of three plus hours, and you could find a number of plays, half dozen, 10, 12, whatever it may be, where there was contact or a grab or a hold or a clutch, whatever it may be, that wasn't called. And now in the in, in the, the biggest moment of the biggest game, you decide you are going to call it. And it just just kind of, again, between the field and some of the officiating, and I'll give you another officiating thing in a minute, you just you don't want to take away from the actual beautiful masterpiece football game that we watched with these subplots. I agree with that. There were nine penalties called. It wasn't a flag fest, but it wasn't something that in that in that point in time you, you feel like you have to enforce. Had they not dropped the flag, it would have been fourth down. It would have been a 33-yard field goal, makeable, but there would have been a minute 54 left. Imagine that drama. 38-35. Yeah. Eagles get the ball. Jalen Hurts, he has, you know, 114 seconds to create a legacy. That uh, And same with Nick Sirianni. Now, you know, what's going to happen with Nick Sirianni? Is he just going to be a meme of him, of him crying during the national anthem? I don't know what's next, but it's not going to be somebody who's celebrating a Super Bowl because – in their minds, they may feel like they were deprived the chance to come back and either tie or win that game. So I, I, I think that was was maybe a little bit over over legislated and uh, dropping that flag at that time. To that point, to the point of over legislation, I go back to the Devonte Smith catch along the sideline that was reversed on replay review and and turned into an incompletion because this goes for me. This is a twenty four year pet peeve and it goes back to Bert Emanuel against the Rams in the playoffs in 1999 where where we that's probably the first moment where we started having these catch no catch arguments and I just don't understand how on replay we can't find a common sense knob to say that the football is oblong and gravity exists in the world. And so with an oblong ball and a player who hits the ground, of course, things are going to move. I don't know how you prevent movement from happening in a world that has gravity until we play zero gravity football on the moon. I don't know how you prevent that from happening. The dude had the football. He had two feet in bounds, a third foot in bounds, and then he He's got a guy on his back falling to the ground and he hits the ground and the ball. He didn't lose control of it. It just moved. The ball moved. What are we doing? 
What right? Pod, what podcast is this? Zero Gravity? Wait, have I <laughs> have I tapped into the wrong app? What's going on here? No, it's a good I, point. It's a good point. I, I mean, how do you feel about th- those plays? Right? I, just they're just they're, there's so many times where like of of course you can slow it down to the millisecond and say, ooh, ooh, I I, I saw the tip of the ball slide a little. Like, get out of here with it's that. It's a tough one because if you have the technology, I believe you should use it as much as you can to get everything right. But common well, sense needs to prevail. I, I do think you have to have common sense. I was just going to say common sense has to prevail to the fact that to the point that you can't do that every play or else you're going to be there for four and a half hours and you have to find the happy the the middle ground where you use the technology to enforce you know spotting and first downs and was it a touchdown or not a touchdown but I don't know that you conceivably realistically can review every single play to the point where you have to trust the technology every single instance that it's available at your disposal so you've got to apply some common sense. There's got to be a side judge, a field judge, and a common sense judge. Yeah. Uh, let's get more judges. <laughs> more judges. <laughs> more judges on the bench. Uh, real quick, how about Dave Tobe uh, having his moment with the huge Kadarius Tony punt return that set the, the Chiefs up for a short, short field touchdown that allowed them to pad their lead? Wonderful stuff from the Chiefs special teams. I love the fact that Dave Tobe gets credit. I'm for every expert angle and every expert coach who was a nice guy and Dave Tobe, they don't come any nicer than Dave Tobe. So I want to give him credit for number one, Tony's a guy that came over at mid season from the giants in a trade. And he, you know, he worked his way into a role, a role there. And Dave Tobe had to trust him to put him back there and all the things in place. But Dan, let's be very honest, <laughs> common sense here. That was all Kadarius Tony. Now I know he got to the wall behind it, but that was amazing athleticism. Once he saw an opening and daylight, he ran to it. So I will, I will give Dave Tobe credit because the coach always deserves it. But that was that was as much Kadarius Tony having that kind of instinct as much as anything to me. Yeah, and he just kept going. You thought, oh, okay, oh, it's yeah. going to fizzle out here. Oh, it's going to fizzle out here. He just kept going all the way inside the 10, down to the 5, and now all of a sudden you've given Patrick Mahomes the gift of all gifts. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, for as well as he played, and, and again, the second half, I think he threw one incomplete pass on a on a throwaway. I think he was 13 for 14. But he gets the, the benefit of a defensive touchdown and a, a special teams return that gives him a five-yard field to, to score a touchdown with. And so so that's a, a beautiful display of taking the gifts that are given to you and, and cashing them in. 65-yard punt return, the longest in Super Bowl history. So Dave Tobe has been a part of special teams history in two different Super Bowls that he's been on the sidelines for, Devin Hester's and uh, Kadarius Toney uh, against the Eagles. More ex-Bear Nuggets. Look, I like seeing the video. I know that we don't have to revisit the Matt Nagy uh, era, and it triggered me last week, but that's okay. <laughs> But I like seeing him in the locker room with the video that I saw Patrick Mahomes giving him a hug and thanking him for his role in this. That was cool. Also, Vic Fangio stuck around for two weeks. The Eagles paid him to come up with that game plan. Oh, boy. I don't know. Did they make Vic pay for incidentals in Arizona? Because at the end of the day, the second half game plan was not too good defensively. But that was interesting to hear his name mentioned during the broadcast. Other ex-Bear um uh, names that were included were kind of funny. I mean, Robert Quinn wasn't part of it. Yeah, what happened to Robert Quinn after I, the trade? I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But, uh, yeah, it's always fun to get the expert input. Yeah. 
No question. Like, I mean, like I say, I mean, the field and the penalty, those were the, the two things I started on the top of my sheet is like the, uh, those are the cringe moments of that game. But that was a, a, a really, really good football game between two really good teams. And I, I like, I, I can't say enough. I, mean, I said on the air on 670 to score on Monday afternoon that I went from, you know, the full-fledged Patrick Mahomes appreciation club to I'm a full on Patrick Mahomes stand now. Like I, I can't get enough of what this dude is and where he can continue to go at age 27. It, it's ridiculous, but Jalen Hurts's performance should not be lost in this because that dude was money all night long. And he showed the fortitude to bounce back, not only from uh, the fumble and, and lead a touchdown drive right after that, but after the chiefs got that 35 to 27 lead and you thought, okay, that could be, you know, the nail in the coffin. Right down the field, another touchdown by Hertz. Uh, you know, he goes in on the two-point conversion to tie it, which was not an easy conversion, and he guts that through and gets it across. He played so well. There's the the conversion throw to Goddard that they reviewed and thankfully upheld. There was a play early in the game. It was a third and long where the Chiefs had him. They had him dead in the pocket, and they just didn't come flat enough with their rush pattern. And he did one of those Justin Fields-esque spins out the back door of the pocket and then converted uh, with a, with a beautiful pass on a drive that ended with points. And you're like, that's, that's just special. And for that dude playing in that game for the first time and to, to rise up and meet that moment, that's what we're talking about, right? We talked all fall about meeting moments. Jalen hurts did it. He did it all year and he did it on the biggest stage. I am a big fan of Jalen hurts. I love the way that he took a step forward this year. And he was, you know, a guy that rose to the occasion except for one play in, in Super Bowl 57. That said, imagine being a Philadelphia Eagle fan. You all already have a disposition. You're in a bad mood just by definition of being an Eagles fan. And then you have a team that you think is w- w- the best in a generation, a defense that's making history. You get to the Super Bowl, you got a 10-point lead at halftime, and then you blow it. I mean, so how do they come back from in Philadelphia the, t- today and this week and this offseason? They're asking themselves the question, how do, how do we come back from this? The, the Super Bowl runner-up hangover. You wonder about what's going to – in Philadelphia, they're feeling like we're number two. We're number two. They got the Phillies that fell short. They've got the Eagles that fell short. They're ready to boo Santa Claus. They booed Dak Prescott for getting a Man of the Year award. <laughs> I was I just going to say, true to form in Philly, they booed Dak Prescott with the, for, for receiving the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. That's anyway. that's that that's funny stuff. I mean, look, like they're going to have a little bit of difficulty sustaining this level. I mean, I'm not saying the Eagles are going to recede and and fade away like the Bears always do, but they're you know they've got things to figure out. You've got Shane Steichen's leaving, you know, for a, a head coaching job. Jonathan Gannon's talking to teams about head coaching positions. They're going to have some uh, decisions to make. Jason Kelsey's going to have to figure out whether he wants to continue playing. There's a lot of moving parts in that machine that, that, that they're going to have to figure out. I think they can get it figured out, but it, it, it certainly um, leaves the door open a little bit. And I will just say this, echoing something I said a month ago, the Bears should thank their lucky stars that they are in the NFC at this yes. point in time in the, the football world, because not only is Patrick Mahomes still in the AFC, but you've got a, a, gauntlet of really good teams and up and coming teams that doesn't exist in the NFC. And so I, I think I saw a tweet today where the, the, where the Vegas now favors the Detroit lions to win the NFC North as of today, February 13th, 2023. Well, the bears are officially on the clock and we are unofficially out of time, but we will talk about the draft possibilities, the lions coming up from behind what's going to happen with the Vikings and the new defensive coordinator. Oh Yeah. 
Aaron Rodgers in the dark. Maybe we'll do that next time. We'll drop a pod on Friday morning. You can get this one wherever you get your podcast and also on the Odyssey YouTube page and the 670 Score YouTube page. This is Take the North, and it has been a lot of fun. Anything else to add, Dan, before we go? No, just a, a really enjoyable Sunday. I will say this. I asked my son before the game, I said, if you had to pick four things to happen in this football game, what would they be? He said, the Chiefs win, Travis Kelsey scores, A.J. Brown scores, Miles Sanders scores. So he was three for four, and he was really upset that Jalen Hurts got selfish to score three rushing touchdowns and didn't give one of those to Miles Sanders because then he would have had the four for four, and there may have been something. you got to take that kid to Vegas for spring break. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't let him know how good he is at this gambling stuff. He's going to be same-game parlays galore. There you go. So we will be back on Friday with the Take the North podcast. For Dan Weider, I'm David Haw, 670 Score, Mullion Haw Show. And Dan, you can get check him out at chicagotribune.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you Friday. Great talk. See you out there.